so good evening. This is uh, Dr. Tamara. I am back. Uh, another episode of Christian Author Spotlight. I have an amazing author on with me, uh, Rodney Kirkwood. He is an ordained minister since 1997, um, starting the Church of God in Christ. He's a father of two. He is divorced and now single. He is active in the men's and youth ministry. Uh, he does mission work over in the Dominican Republic, and he is a full-time business owner. So want to go ahead and introduce him, and we're going to go ahead and talk about his book uh, so you guys will know where you can get it at and go ahead and pick it up and share it with every man in your life. Okay, so Mr. Kirkwood, how are you doing? I am doing good, Dr. Tamra. I'm doing well this evening. How are you awesome. doing? I am good. Good deal. Okay, good deal. So your book, 12 mm-hmm. Kings and Their Treasures, Transparent Testimony Truth. Go ahead and tell us how this book came about. Well, the book came about, um, there's a group called uh, the Keith Don't Know Group. Um, and Keith um, is one of our authors in the book. But um, Keith Murphy is his name. I'm sorry. Uh, we are all in this group. Some of us are still in this group too. Um, but it all started there. And another man who was an author in the book called Jason Linton, uh, he uh, and Keith came together and talked about doing a book project. And unbeknownst to us, um, well, unbeknownst to us, meaning me and a few others in the group that Keith and Jason will seek out uh, 10 other men. And I became one of those men that they sought out uh, to work on this book project. And so, and this was in 2013 when this, when, when this happened. So we all came together and the whole concept was to talk about uh, our greatest testimonies uh, at that particular time. You know, what can we write in our chapter um, concerning our greatest testimony of where we were, what it was like, and where was God hand in delivering us to the next level, uh, delivering us from that from that particular area. And so that's where it all started. It started with, in the Facebook group. Nobody really knew each other. <laughs> you know, um, matter of fact, it started with a few men and that, you know, you know, you kind of go through a process first, you know, it starts with a, you know, we had 12 to begin with, but then three or four fell off. And then I ended up recruiting two brothers, uh, uh, out of, um, out of Memphis. And, um, and so they joined the project and then a few others on their end joined the project. So it kind of, it kind of spanned from, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, all the way to uh, Roanoke, Virginia, Virginia, all the way to uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Memphis, Tennessee, um, and it's one other place I can't think of right now. Oh, uh, New Jersey uh, was where one of those brothers were for. So all of us in the same group together, and that's how it all came about. And so uh, that was that was 2013 was the embryo stage of 12 kings and their treasure yeah 
Okay, and so everybody did their part in this book. Tell us about your part. Tell us the title, what you shared, and how it has um, helped others in their journey. Well, my title was called, my title is called, not books, but <laughs> my title is called uh, Surviving the Crash. Um, and at that moment, I had just got out of, really around between 2007 to 2008, I'm sorry, 2006 to 2008 is where um, I experienced what I called the crash. And and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a metaphorical uh, preacher in a sense. I like to use illustrations. I like to use some type of parable to um, to help bring the point out. And so for me, that's what it felt like. It felt like a crash. It's where my marriage ended. It also, during that time in 2006, was where I experienced um, hardship at work. Um, was working at a landscape company for a long time, only for the relationship to dissolve in, in different ways. And so, um, and then also dealt with some issues in ministry. Uh, and so everything had like a domino effect. And as a man, when you deal with issues in your relationships or at home, and issues at work and issues at ministry, you really have no resting place. You have no resting place at all. And so there was really no peace in my life during that time because every significant place that I was connected to, it was all problematic. And there were definitely some things that I created on my own, but some things that came with uh, being in a bad place, you know, um, you know, how it is, you know, sometimes when you, when you up, everything is, is, is kind of good, but when you're down and especially when you have came down from a, a place where you had things together, you know, um, you get ridiculed a lot, you know, you get talked about a lot, you get criticized a lot. It's kind of like, Hey, look where you are now. What's up now? Right. And so that was a very, very ugly point in my life and I called it the crash because that's what it felt like I, I think I may have described in a book about how I felt like uh, metaphorically I was in a body cast laying up in that hospital bed couldn't move everything broke you know wrapped, my head is wrapped up my body is wrapped up and was just in a bad place but God was working behind the scenes you know, and, and the beautiful thing about God is he knows what is going to happen. He has already pro already provided a way of escape. I did not know that at the time, but it got to a place where everything that I learned about the Lord, everything that I have been taught about God, everything that I've been taught about faith, trust, belief, and hope, I had no other choice but to cling to it you know, had no other choice but to cling to it. And when I did cling to it, that's when things began to turn for my good. Mm. 
things begin to turn for my good. Um, in the in the greatest area where I remember where it began to turn is one Saturday morning. I got up and uh, and I went outside. And it was on, on Saturday morning. I went outside in the midst of all of this. And when I looked and I, you know, saw how the sun was just shining, you know, through the uh, through the clouds, God in his own way gave me a glimpse of my future. And in the glimpse of my future, I saw myself victorious in every aspect, victorious uh, in, in, uh, in my relationships, victorious at work and victorious in ministry. And I immediately threw my hands up, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. if you saw the movie Rocky, especially uh -huh. the first, you remember as he ran up the <laughs> stairs, you know, all the way up to the, uh, I think it was the Capitol building, if I'm not mistaken. He ran uh -huh. all the way up to the top of the stairs and threw his hands up. Yes. He threw his hands up as a sign of victory that it wasn't concrete it wasn't official you know but it was in his mind it was already done yes before he ever got into the ring with um with um uh his fighter or his opponent um uh -huh. carl weathers you know yes. <laughs> uh before he got into the ring he already uh claimed victory before he got in there. And that's how I feel. And it yes. definitely took time. It was a process. Oh, yeah. But but uh I claimed victory that day. And um, and guess what? In God's time, he brought it. Yes. And that's what I mean by surviving the crash. You yes. can survive any crash. We all have a crash in life. We all have something that is going to seemingly take all of the wind out of us. It's gonna uh, challenge our faith, challenge our hope, you know, to continue. And that's what I, that's what it felt like. But, you know, I survived it mm -hmm. only because of God. I survived the crash. And I, and that's what that chapter is about. Okay. Now, before you started sharing about one Saturday morning, I actually was at that point in your book. So I'm going to go ahead and read this paragraph for all of our okay. listeners. Okay, one Saturday morning while still feeling hurt, depressed, defeated, and helpless, feeling undermanned and outclassed, compared to the circumstances I was facing, I stepped outside my door, walked into the front yard with my broke, busted, and disgusted self, and lifted my fist in the air as one who was already victorious. Mm -hmm. I didn't care who observed because it was not about them. It was all about God and what he implanted in my spirit. I was reminded in his word that told me, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God shall deliver him out of them all. Psalms 34, 19. Yes, that's what he said he will do. I crashed, but I was going to make it through. He has given me hope. That, yeah. that says a lot. That paragraph yeah. right there says so much. And you know, that's what we all have to be reminded is that, you know, yes, we're gonna go through some things, but we have to allow God to come in and help us through those things. He's not going to leave us or forsake us, but we there, there's things that we're gonna to have to go through. Some things that we brought on ourselves, some things that just happen, 
but we have to allow him in to do the work that he needs to do. We can't do any of this on our own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what it also reminds me is the fact that we will all created to be dependent upon him anyway. Yes. And God in his own way is going to make sure that happens. Yes, <laughs> yes he will. He, he's going to make sure that happens. Oh, boy. But you know what? Yeah. That's what gets some of us through this, this knowing that he's there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't know it. It's like sometimes it feels like he's he's not there. It's like, okay, well, where are you at? But, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's always there. Yeah. You know, we just have to continue to trust and believe in that. And, you know, and we're going to, like you said before, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. There's just some things that we have to go through, but there's a process to it. And if we just allow that process to happen, you know, we're going to come out on the other side victorious. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I want to point out the fact that I don't think, and I don't think I, I may, I think I may have mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the book or not, but um, you don't always, a lot of cases, well, in my situation, I didn't have people around me that can truly encourage me other than my mother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the men that were in my life were actually some of the people that um, the enemy influenced to ridicule me in one way or the other. And what do you do when the people that you are around, the people that you are connected to, the people that at some point praised you and, 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 you know, gave you accolades now are the same ones who are criticizing you and ridiculing you kind of treating you like Joe friends did him Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you do then (laughs) because you you know because what again in that crash you felt like you all alone and instead of getting encouragement you get you know, questioned, you know, what happened? What did you do? How did you get yourself in this situation? Yes. Right? And those are valid questions, but when you are hurting and when you're in bad place, that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> you know? No. That's not what you want to hear. You don't want to, you don't want to hear the criticism. You don't want to hear no. uh, the ridicule. How, and so saying all that to say this, there are times when you got to really know God for yourself. Oh yeah. Without nobody's help, without nobody's aid. And 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 guess what? And those and the same people that ridicule the most are the ones that um you you only know to reach out to because you don't know who else to reach out to. Because embarrassment, you know, of and humiliation would just with men keeps our mouth closed a lot of cases and so you really got to know God for yourself and I believe that he shut those doors to them Hmm. to make sure that I will not only reach out to him and him only but to make sure that he is the one that's going to get the glory out of this and that no man 
can sit there and say, I did this and I did that. See, that's the type of God we're going to have to, you know, grow to learn, grow to uh, experience. Because there, there are some things that we will not know about God unless we go through hell with him. It's like, you know, and most of the things that, you know, people go through, especially the um, the crippling type stuff, you know, you're going to see who's for you and who's really against you. Mm-hmm. And it always is a surprise because it's always the ones that's closest to you, the ones that, like you said, they're giving you accolades or patting you on the back, telling you good job. And all of a sudden when something really happens, you know, when you really need them it's like that's when you find out <laughs> that yeah. they weren't really you know who they were portraying themselves to be and <laughs> you know yeah. sometimes you know people and you know they come in our lives to um to cause us to fall you know to um see our destruction or to, to have a hand in it and you know um we don't always look at things that way, you know, because we look at people always coming in to do good, but there's some people that will come in our lives to do bad that will mm-hmm. um, put that mask on and act like they're really for us when they're really against us, you know? Exactly. And it hurts to, you know, think that people are like that, but, but they are, you know? And um, we have to be mindful of that. We have to... Um, I don't want to say, you know, keep people at arm's length, but we, we really want to, you know, mm-hmm. someone told me this years ago, they like, check the fruit, you know, mm-hmm. check the fruit. Cause you don't, you don't know who's always going to be in your corner and who's really for you because people will, they, they will play you for a fool. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's bad, but they, they will. And, you know, I've been in that place before. So it's like, you know, I don't, um, everybody doesn't get close to me you know it's mm-hmm. like you, you have to be mindful of that you have to be um on guard um but in all of that you have to trust and believe in god and he will let you know who you can you know allow in your life you'll you'll see things you know because mm-hmm. people they're, they're gonna slip sometimes you know yeah i'm not saying everyone is that person but you have to um have that discernment to know who's mm-hmm. good and who's bad because there are people that will come in your life just to see you fall and have a hand in it. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, just even to add to that, is I've learned over the years that you don't know who you're dealing with until a major crisis come up. Yes, that is true. You know, when, when you find yourself in a situation um that is so problematic, so chaotic, controversial, okay? Um, That's when you know what those who are around you are made of. Yes. And guess what? They don't even know what they're made of until they... you know, are sitting in this, you know, are, are in a situation with, okay, so, you know, kind of like we, we can criticize Peter all we want to, mm-hmm. right? Peter did not know um, 
how loyal he was <laughs> until the time came where Jesus was what? Uh, arrested. Mm-hmm. And Jesus already told them, he said, man, listen, you're going to deny, deny, uh, deny me three times. And Peter was like, man, whatever. <laughs> but when the time came, <laughs> right? Yes. You know, yeah. It, but Peter didn't even know. Mm-mm. I don't think Judas knew how bad it was until he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Because apparently it was so bad that he ran and hung himself. Mm-hmm. That's how much pain he was in. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to Peter, after, after Peter denied him three times, the Bible said he ran and wept bitterly. Yeah, wept bitterly. So you don't you don't know what's in people. Sometimes you don't know what's in you hmm. until the time comes. Oh yeah. We're all tested. Our loyalty is going to be tested. Our trust is going to be tested. Oh yeah. Our faithfulness is going to be tested. And that's one of the things I now hold on to concerning anybody that I'm connected with. Because think about it, betrayal. It's not betrayal if you already if the enemy is already letting you know mm. that they don't like you. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. That's not betrayal. I think betrayal comes in, you know, it's on different levels. Mm-hmm. But I think the greatest level of betrayal is when you actually trust that person. Oh yes. Definitely. And then what? They turn their back on you. Oh yes. Some yeah. kind of way. Mm-hmm. They leave you abandoned. They mm-hmm. they will leave you stranded. Yeah. Um, they tell you up front that I got your back. But the person oh, yeah. that actually has control of making you or breaking you in certain situations, mm-hmm. then we'll find out how loyal our friends are. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Just so, so like a co-worker. You know, oh, oh yeah, Kirkwood, I got you back, man. You know, just don't worry about that. You know, <laughs> but then behind the scenes with the manager, you say, yeah, you need to go ahead and you know, mm-hmm. reprimand. Yeah. Rep- you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, so you just got all the way under the bus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you know, so, but I think the greatest level is is when you show love, when you guys share love, when you. um share transparencies when you do have experiences where you are there for one another. That's what made David uh, so much in emotional pain concerning his son Absalom. You know, he never thought his son would turn on him like that. He said, hey, when it comes to my enemies, I mean, that's that's a (laughs) no-brainer. He said, but you you know, that's what that that's what he was talking about in that song. Yeah. That was oh, when yeah. when yeah, that was exactly when Absalom turned on him. You know. So saying all that to say this, you were so right. We do not know what people are made of or even what we're made of, only until we come into a situation. There's some things that we have a little bit more surety of, like our children, you know, our maybe our siblings to a degree, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, other folks that we gonna be down for. There's some people that I've defended in their absence 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I've defended people in their absence and let you know that, hey, bro, I got your back. Or, hey, sister, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of cases, you'll go around uh, the enemies of your friends. Mm. <laughs> you know, the enemies of your associates, you know. And it, your character and your integrity are going to be tested about how you defend them or how you stand up for them in their absence you know i think that's the true essence of leaving anyway but yeah it's 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 something else you got to know though you got to know how people can change oh, yeah. on the on the drop of a dime <laughs> oh, yeah. they will mm-hmm. absolutely will. absolutely <laughs> Okay, so back to this book. Um, what was my question gonna be? How easy was it for you? Or was it easy for you to, you know, share your testimony? Actually, it was. Um, God at that time had already began. Well, by that time, He had already developed me to be transparent um in my calling i was able to move into transparency as a matter of fact i remember my first sermon my first sermon took place while i was still married and my greatest issue was coming from my marriage you know and i had to preach from that place of pain I didn't get into a lot of details, but some of the things that I've said uh, basically pointed to problems at home. And I think 50% of it, or let's say 40% of that message, I pretty much weep through it. Or sometimes have the, you know, moments where I couldn't get no words out, you know, you know, trying to clear my face and, and get through the, the parts of crying and and I was just keeping it real I was just keeping it real um, I remember a testimony that I gave during church um, and that testimony was based out of what a um, seasoned woman in the church stated about young people in the church she she went on to say something to the degree that how can you say that god is the head of your life when you're not doing everything he told you to do how can you say that he's your father that angered me when i heard that because a lot of times you know like i said i grew up in the church of god in christ and every you know every every testimony story wasn't really a testimony story okay <laughs> most of them was was a venting sessions <laughs> you know <laughs> you know attacking sessions and, yes. and 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 criticizing you of how you dressed and mm-hmm. you know what you got on and what you shouldn't be doing and you know talking more about sin uh more than god's grace and love mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so you know, your lack of the Holy Ghost and <laughs> you ain't speaking the tongue yet. No, just all kind of stuff. I was like, man, what is this testimony? You know, this we're gonna testify. God. Well, people will start talking about God's goodness, but they'll venture right up into the attacks, right? 
So, but in that, you know, she made that statement, you know, how can you sit up here and y'all get up here and y'all talk about God is the head of your life, but y'all ain't doing nothing that he's telling you to do. How can you say that? And I was just angry when I heard that. And this was shortly a little bit after I surrendered to God. This was, it was, I think, in uh 1997 was when I surrendered to the Lord. And I think it may have been 1998 when I heard that. And that angered me, right? And so, and I held on to that anger all the way for for a whole week to next Sunday. (laughs) And I got up and I, and and I, and, and, you know, I didn't know I was doing it. I thought I was just expressing myself, but I think in the midst of expressing how I felt, you know, I was rebuking this older woman. And um, her intentions were, I believe, on point. Because sometimes you only can talk about what you, talk about not only what you know, but based upon what you've been taught and what you believe is right. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like I say, there's some people that believe that when it comes to holiness, you, you need to be wearing a certain uh, your clothes need to be, uh, you know, more loose and, and yeah. longer, covering up as much as possible, and showing it less skin. Only thing that really need to be seen is your hands and your face. <laughs> you know, it seems like you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, almost like you know, like a nun or something. You mm-hmm. know, and um, but um, but you don't know a person's heart though, and sometimes people don't know. Uh, any better than what they've been taught. Yeah. And so, but anyway, but when she said that, I was like, you know, and I, and, but I weep through it. I, I, I even weep through that time, you know. And I said, God's still my father. He still loves me. He still wakes up. And I would just, and I know she wasn't talking to me during that time, mm-hmm. but I began to be the voice of the people. And didn't know what God was doing. But at the, but now when I go back and, and, and reflect, you know, God was just raising me up to be transparent and talk about stuff that really injured people. Yes. And so during that time, I began to understand, okay, hey, this is this is much needed. And then so later on, after I left the organization, I began to connect with a group called the Great Banquet Community. And the whole thing about that is, is to take men and women uh, on separate events away for three days and minister to them. Get them away from the church, get them away from home, get them away from work, get them away from family, get them away from any distraction that's going to keep those individuals um, away from God. And we took these people out to a retreat and we began to minister to them. And let me tell you something, when you get people away from their environment, when you get people away from their distractions, when you get people away from their um, influences, then, and, and be transparent with them, talk about the abuse that you went through, talk about the um, rejection that you dealt with. Uh, some people talked about their drug uh, habits and alcohol, uh, dependency issues, and um, 
what else? Um, uh, pornography addictions and all these different things. And they talk about how God brought them out. Man, that freed people. Because you know how it is in the church, Tammy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's some things you can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to like, hey, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Oh, you ain't living right? You know, you you, you, you dabbing in that right there? <laughs> and you call yourself a preacher? You call yourself mm-hmm. a minister? You call yourself a bishop? You call yourself a child of God? Acting like that? See, certain things you can't say. But this yeah. is the reality, though. Many of those people that say that stuff don't understand that either them or others around them are struggling with the same stuff. I struggle with the same things. I'm not saying it's everybody, but there's some people that are struggling with those same things. And so that's, so when God began to develop me, that's when I realized that later on, transparency and understanding. First of all, love with transparency and understanding and encouragement and even challenge, it works. It works. It works for people. And that's what people need. You can't rebuke people that you don't, that you never helped. Yes, exactly. Right? You know, you can't criticize people that you don't encourage. Mm-mm. If you expect them to do that. Exactly. You know, so that's why it was easy for me to talk about my story because it was just too, it was just too liberating. It was just too powerful. It was just too freeing. And I recognize if I'm with issues at work, there's some people that are as well. If I'm dealing with, with issues in my marriage or relationships, others are too. If I'm dealing with issues in the ministry, uh, with this jealousy or this envy and, and there are all these different things going on, others are too. And you got to be bold about it. You got to oh, be yes. courageous, yes. you know, because and this is one thing we love to talk about the stories in the Bible. We love to talk about what David, Solomon, Saul, Abraham, Peter. We love, we love to discuss their stories yes. and talk about their flaws, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for some reason, we can't seem to connect their story with ours. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and when we keep ours silent, then it still makes what you said in the Bible true, but the relatability has no effect on the person that you're talking to. Because you're not sharing your story. Mm-mm. You have nothing to say about you. <laughs> <laughs> so how 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 does David? What what story about David parallels yours? What story about Solomon in his downfall uh, parallels yours? Okay, Hezekiah was a great king, but he's the one that was the last straw that put them in 70 years of captivity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay, what about Moses? Okay, what about his story um, when it came to him 
striking the rock twice, letting his anger get the best of him, which kept him out the promised land. Oh, you don't have any stories on your anger and how you got uh, dealt with the consequences of it? Oh, really? They too busy well, being perfect. Yeah, so we uh, we love to talk about, you know, and you don't, you don't have to go into all the details, mm -hmm. but you can say something, something. That, that's relatable to what? Making mistakes, mm -hmm. right? And how you dealt with the consequences of your mistakes. But yet God's grace and mercy not only brought you through that, you learned something from it. And through that, also you learning from it, you've been rewarded. Yeah. See, that's that's what's missing in these messages. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the part of the word that 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 uh uh was a, a direct reflection of our personal life, our yes. personal testimony. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. God is good. He'll bring you out. He'll take you from the from the bottom all the way to the top. You know, you the head and you're not the tail. You above and not. okay. Explain. Explain in your situation. Yes. You know, we we I mean we'll cliche folks to death, but we don't give them no details. They don't. <laughs> no. But yeah, it was easy. It was it was easy to talk about. It. I was excited to talk about it because I was victorious in it. Yes, mm -hmm. I was victorious in it. Yeah, made it easy. God made it easy. Yes, the Lord made it easy when oh, you wow. when you experience God in that kind of way, hmm. where you totally depend depended upon Him, and He came through in that level of dependency. <laughs> You know, when your back was truly against the wall, where you facing fines, you facing jail time, you know, you facing, wow. I'm, I'm serious, a lot of folks, wow. are, uh, yeah, you facing all of that, but God is like, no, I got you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to tell it. You got to. Why wouldn't you tell it? Because exactly. That, that you may think is not walking in that level of bondage, but they mm -hmm. actually are. Some people, they like staying stuck. I don't know why. You know, it's like, come on over here and get unstuck. You know, open your mouth. Tell people the truth. Tell people what you and did. Tell people, you know, what you and been through. And it's like, some. It, it, I'll say sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's not a, all, always about us. You know, us telling our testimony, us sharing our story is to help somebody else. You know, we want to hold on to it. We want nobody looking at us like, oh, yeah, they did this. They did that. Like I told somebody before, like, I could care less what people think about me. Every opportunity that I get, I'm going to tell what I did, how it happened. And then I'm, I'm going to end it on how God brought me out of that mess. How he changed my life. Mm. You know, and that's yeah. what it's about. It's like people want to, you know, um, you know, worry about what people are gonna say, how they gonna look at you. They could say and look at me however they want to. Cause I'm nowhere near the person I used to be and it's all because of God. All because of him. Yes, absolutely. Okay, all because so of we, him. Yes, we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna watch, I want you to, you know, um, 
encourage, inspire somebody. You know, for, it's for everybody, but especially for men. You know, mm-hmm. say something. Um, you know, to help those ones that still holding on to something that still don't want to let go of it. What would you say to them? One of the toughest things that we deal with as men is our pride. Mm. Even the Bible talks about, you know, uh, about pride, how deadly pride is. How God even can't stand a prideful heart or a prideful look. And pride, pride is uh, is our greatest enemy. It's 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 the it's 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 the number one thing that we as men can hold on to that will keep us from experiencing the things that we need in our lives. Pride. Pride when it comes to not wanting to discuss a problem. Pride and always wanting to be right. Pride in not admitting our wrongs. Pride when it comes to not coming to the Lord when we know we need to come to him. I mean, pride is, 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 is our is, is man's uh, uh, greatest enemy. But the encouragement is this. Often, we don't look at God as the real father that he is to us. And the reality is, is that we will forever be a son to him. Now, any of any men that are out there, like myself, that have children, there's nothing, absolutely nothing that they can do to stop us from loving them. Nothing. Um, they can do some things that's very disrespectful and very dishonorable, but our love doesn't stop. Now, we may have to set some boundaries and and set some rules and things like that. But when it comes to us not loving them, that's not happening. Matter of fact, even in the midst of their wrong, even in the midst of their bad decisions and bad mistakes, we find ourselves still being there for them. And keep in mind that men, we're just as frail we're just as weak. We're just as um, um, fractured and imperfect and still a work in progress. But just like we're always there for our children, God is always there for us. And think about this too, men. When we're there for our children, we, 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 we make sure sure that they understand that we love them by what we do, by how we are uh, taking care of whatever the need may be, how we may be assisting them and however we assist them. And we doing this from a place of imperfection. We doing this from a place of possibly working on several things in our life that need to improve. And sometimes I'm, I'm sure we may be doing this when we feel that we don't deserve God's goodness, that we don't deserve his love or his grace and mercy. But the reality is, is that as long as we got breath in our bodies, that is a sign that God still loves us. The fact that our heart 
still beats. It's a sign that God still loves us and that there's nothing that we can do ourselves to stop his law. Now we can stop ourselves from coming to the Lord, but God never cuts us off. He never gives us the cold shoulder. He would never give us the silent treatment. He is always available. And knowing that, it doesn't matter what crash has trans transpired in your life, what wreck happened because you lost control, because you wasn't paying attention, because you may have been driving impaired or intoxicated, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. God's love still prevails. If the word says that, where sin abound, grace abounds even more. So there's nothing that we can ever do to where God is going to stop loving us. So my encouragement then is that what we're holding on that's keeping us from being everything that we can be in God, it's no reason to keep holding on to it. Yes, we can feel anger. We can feel frustration. We can feel defeat. But it doesn't mean that God has not already given us the victory. So there is hope for you. There's still a future for you. And the reality of that is you're still alive. And if you're still alive, God's purpose for your life is still intact. Simple as that. So, and I just encourage you that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing that has been done that God cannot undo and make better. And even if God doesn't change that situation, God has a way of equipping us to handle what has happened, that we can what move forward and be everything that he has created you to be. Men, you have been predestined. Predestined means that before you even knew who you were, before you knew who your parents were, before you even knew what mistakes that you would make or choices that you would make, God already knew them and he provided a way of escape in every aspect of that situation. So, yes, we may have been hurt. Yes, we may have been neglected. Yes, we may have experienced various kinds of disappointments and not just from the hands of our choices, but also from the hands of others where we were nothing more than victims, innocent victims. But nevertheless, God is still God. He is still a way maker. He still opened doors where seemingly uh, they have been shut. God knows how to strengthen us and empower us to a point where things that have been done in the past will not affect our present nor our future. That's the God that we serve. The Bible says that the 
steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But it goes on to say, though he may stumble or fall, God will not allow him to be what? Utterly cast down. There's another version that said that he will not allow us to, you know, go head first into the ground. Because what? He upholds us with his hand. And in in men, I know that sometimes it feels like our head was just busted against the wall. But at the same time, if you're still alive and you're still breathing and you're still moving around, that right there is a sign of God's love. And guess what? He didn't wake you up just to remain where you are. He woke you up that you may discover who he really is in your life. That he's somebody that we should seek, somebody that we should go after, somebody that we should pray to and honor so he can what? Order our steps and direct our life. He will bring us from that place of brokenness all the way to the place of repair. He's able to do that. So men be encouraged and be inspired. You are better than who you were in the past. You're better than where you are right now. Because that's who God is in your life. And my encouragement to you is to make him a part of your life. Because he can do for us as men what we cannot do for ourselves. Kirkwood. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so again, the title of the book is 12 Kings and Their Treasures, Transparent Testimony Truth. It is available on Amazon. I encourage y'all to go pick it up. Ladies, if you have a man in your life, it could be your brother, cousin, father, whoever. If he's a man, get him this book. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Kirkwood, I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing with us. As always, it's been a pleasure, a good conversation, um, and just thank you for sharing that. I hope it is going, it will, I'm not going to say hope, it will. It will bless someone, and someone's life will be changed by you sharing your testimony. So, I thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, just look forward to the next time that we can connect and uh, go from there. So uh, appreciate being on and uh, sharing uh, my chapter with everyone that uh, will be listening. Okay, podcast listeners. So stay tuned. We'll have another author coming by and sharing with us. So until next time, y'all stay blessed.